Ladies and gentlemen, good evening. Are you ready? Okay, here we go. You're listening to the Deal Room Podcast. Join us as we bring you the inside scoop on business sales and acquisitions. Get across trends in the area and hear the industry's best recount their real life tips, traps, and experiences. Now, here's your host, Joanna Oki. Hi, it's Joanna Oki here and welcome back to the Deal Room Podcast, a podcast proudly brought to you by our commercial legal practice, Aspect Legal. Now, today we have on the show Roy Levy from Core Business Brokers, here to talk all about creative solutions in selling a business. Now, Roy Levy is a corporate advisor specializing in business divestments, mergers and acquisitions in the SME markets and mid-tier markets across Australia and New Zealand. And in this episode, Roy and I discuss some creative approaches to finding the right deal between a buyer and seller. Roy also shares a fabulous story of how creativity in deal structuring can create incredible long-term results. So without further ado, here we go with our discussion with Roy. Hello, Roy. Welcome back to the Deal Room Podcast. It is so good to have you on the show. Thanks, Jane, and thanks for having me again. My absolute pleasure. My absolute pleasure. Now, um, before we get into um, the topic of today, which is all about creative solutions in selling a business, which I know is one of the things that you're particularly good at, Roy, um, maybe just give us a quick background of you know, your experience in business sales, who you are, how long you've been in the industry. Well, that's going back a long time. So <laughs> as you can hear from the accent, I was uh, brought up in, in uh, South Africa and I emigrated approximately 25 years ago. So back in the day there, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a chartered accountant and um, we were doing a lot of management, corporate management, management training, etc., as well as mergers and acquisitions uh, and we actually listed our company on the stock exchange back in 1985. So that was exciting times. Since we emigrated, I emigrated uh, in uh, 1996. We I went back back into business broking. Started in a started our own company called Core Business Brokers, and since then have been working uh, now 25 years here in Australia, and have gone from selling small businesses to medium sized businesses. And now even into the mid-tier size, which is uh, a nice space to be. And mm. uh, there's uh, six of us in core business brokers and everyone's with slightly different experience that enjoys selling different types of businesses. So that's who we are. We, we, we boutique and uh, we love doing what we do. Brilliant. Love it. Well, today we're talking about a story that you have. And I love this story because it's such a, a great example of, of a bit of ingenuity. Um, and I think in this space, you have to be, you have to be a bit nimble and flexible and uh, able to come up with creative solutions because boy, no deal is straightforward, right? <laughs> we all have to be uh, pretty good at finding flexibility in ways to get things done. <laughs> and you know, when you list a business, uh, typically the vendors will, will tell you what, what you need to know, not always what you should know. And we always try and do our own due diligence. And it's not a deep due diligence. We don't, don't go check ATO records and all that. But it's enough of a due diligence 
and 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 the evidence in our, the, the information we present to a buyer, we will pass muster in a due diligence. Otherwise, we're wasting everyone's time and, and money. That is so clever. And and you know, with our experience, asking the appropriate questions, we'll we'll find appropriate the the appropriate answers. And there's always some issues with most businesses. And once we know what the issues are, we can then suggest creative ideas to get around that objection, which we know is going to come from a buyer. And when the objection comes, we hope to have a suggested solution, which may get him over uh, over those objections and, and uh, seriously thinking about buying the business. And so what some examples of that? We're going to talk today about a, another story, but before we get into that, I, I, w- I want to hear some examples here. What are some examples you've seen where you've anticipated objections and then you've sort of come up with a way to to get ready to deal with them when they came up? It's a lot to do with uh, a business if it has a technical bent or a technical aspect uh, of the business where the vendor is uh, is the expert in that field. So I'll give you an example. Uh, we sold a, a manufacturing business a couple of years. In fact, it was during the COVID time, the first COVID lockdown, believe it or not. And uh, when I went in to uh, talk to the vendor, they had a very sophisticated machinery. Uh, it was laser cutting. And the owner of the business was the factory manager, and he was the operator of the very sophisticated laser cutting machine. And then he had two other machines with two other employees. And I said to him at the time, if you leave, who's going to do that job? It's, a, it's, it's quite a skilled job. And he said he, does, he didn't know. So what I suggested to him at that point in time is put an advert in the paper immediately for someone to replace him. So that by the time we've listed the business, marketed and start talking to people, that critical issue is going to come up and hopefully we'll have an answer. He put an advert in Seek and a few others, and within space of three weeks, he had uh, structural engineers. It was COVID time, so a lot of people had lost their jobs. He had six choices to make. He found someone who had been working on exactly that piece of the equipment, but the older model. He employed him. So within six weeks, we had four offers for that business, and uh, uh, two of them who are not technical said, who will replace? I, I don't, I'm not a technical person. I'm more sales and marketing driven. And we could immediately overcome that that objection by saying, we have employed someone, he's already in training. So within three months, he will be an expert. So take that objection off the table. And that was a critical objection because it would have ruled out many of the qualified buyers. So we saw that as an objection coming up as a, as a key issue. And we solved the problem uh, and, t- and took that objection off the table before we even got into the final negotiations. I love it. Well, look, I think it's a similar approach from a legal perspective as well. You know, we say, okay, well, what might what might a buyer object to once they get to the due diligence phase, for example? Let's make sure we tidy it all up. Let's make sure it looks clean. Let's make sure a buyer is not able to come and use due diligence as as a as a tool to uh, nudge down the price that they've already committed to. So, uh, you know, I, I think it's such an important perspective from a commercial, from a financial accounting, legal perspective. As Absolutely. And also market. one of the issues is very often a buyer's, a, sorry, a seller, a vendor will have um, his, his financials uh, reflected or correct, but the wage that he pays himself or herself 
is not marked related because it doesn't pay them for tax purposes, which is fine. It's totally le- legitimate. However, um, when you're selling a, a, a larger business, any buyer and their accountant would want to know that there is a market-related wage applied for every activity in this in respect of that business. So what we will always do is we will adjust the figures for that business to apply the market-related wage and, again, remove that objection, which we know is going to come. Similarly, when they own the premises in, in a related company for that business, it needs to be a market-related rent applied for the business. And again, we would make that adjustment if, if it's needed to be made. So we remove, we anticipate the objections with our experience. We've seen a lot. And we try and remove all those objections uh, and, and minimize them uh, when it comes to... And you know, buy, Jaina, buyers appreciate that because when they see all that, and they see that you've re- adjusted to appropriate market conditions, they understand that this is serious, they're dealing with someone serious, no one's trying to pull the wool over their eyes, and it gives them confidence to move forward with negotiations uh, and looking seriously at that buyer, at that, that business. It's about retaining that trust as well, Correct. isn't it? You Correct, know? Correct. Um, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and so let's move on now this story. I love this story set, I think you told me 22 years ago, um, when when you had a little bit of difficulty in um, finding buyers for a particular business, run us through what happened in that story. Yeah, so it was uh, approximately twenty two years ago. What happened was I had it was a small engineering business and it was quite technical. So a, um, a buyer who had just emigrated from South Africa, as it so happened came to my uh, came to our office looking to buy himself a business and I showed him this business and he said look uh, I've got a, a background as a, as a toolmaker it's exactly up my alley it's what I like it's what I can do I don't have the the, the funds available and because I've just landed in the country a bank is not going to be lending me money without ha- having the security of a property so unfortunately, I cannot buy that business. And then a couple of days later, another person walked into my office and said, I'm looking for a business, gave me some parameters. I showed him a various business, including this one. And he said, that looks a very solid business. But my background is administration, uh, sales, marketing. I, 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 I don't have the technical skills and it worries me that I'd have that gap. So what I did is then I contacted both of them separately and I said, come to my office next week for a meeting. At the same time, they, they came. I introduced them to each other. They had a similar background from the same country. They didn't know, know each other from a bar of salt. And I told them that they'd both seen the business. I, in my opinion, one had the technical skills to drive, to, to drive the technical side. The other one had the organizational skills. And I said, this could be a perfect fit for you if you can, in so-called, get married <laughs> and form a partnership. But you need to you need to work on that that situation. I can't help you. And I walked out the office and I said, "Here's a cup of coffee. Have a chat. Call me when you're done, and let's see how it goes." Uh, and they bought the business. And oh, uh, such a good story. Such twenty two years later, we back, and they've now called me and said, "We've uh, you know the, the business has gone exceptionally well. It's time to retire, sell the business." And I'm in the process of selling that business right now. And as it so happens, I found a young gentleman who has the technical skills and a businessman who's looking for more uh, overall investments. 
and we've had our third we've had our third meeting together. <laughs> so oh, I mean that is just the story yeah. of a lifetime, right? I can't believe it. I can't believe that you introduced these two people together and then, you know, it solved solve their issues individually as buyers because they're both looking for buy a, a business but needed each other to run it, solve the problem of the seller at the time. And then, you, you know, they lasted in business for 22 years and now you're doing it all again. It's just fabulous. <laughs> yeah, so that, those, are, those are nice stories. And, uh... and isn't it, you know, it must be touching for you to find, you know, that, that buyers that you dealt with more than two decades ago, still still have you in their Rolodex. <laughs> of course, it's not that. That's what it would have been twenty two years ago in their uh, in in their phone. And you know, you're the person that they'd reach out to now. All of these years later, and what's your what's your secret for that? Because I think that you know that's really telling, Roy. That's 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 a massive positive, and I think something that anyone who's coming into the market as a business broker now would want to understand in terms of how you create that sort of longevity in relationships? I think it's, uh, you know, in the old days, the marketing used to be letters, post office drops, brochures, and someone who'd received that would say, well, I'm not, you know, you only sell the business sort of once or twice in your life and said, well, I'm not ready to do that. And typically you put that into your bottom drawer somewhere. And five or six years later, we used to get a phone call and said, you won't remember this, but I've still got your brochure from five years ago, and I think I'm re- I think I'm ready to go. These days, of course, it's no, not it's not uh, uh, posters anymore. It, it's it's website, it's Google ads, etc. And we're finding if we do a good job and a good honest job, um, you know, Google reviews uh, are, are an honest review because they're not your reviews. It's it's someone who's making a subjective uh, review working uh, well with solicitors and, and accountants and showing that you're on top of your job, you understand it, c- coming up with creative solutions, they th- that's a very important source of referrals because if someone wants to sell their business, generally what they'll do, their first port of call will be talk to the accountant. This is what I'm thinking. Uh, what's the implications? What's the capital gains tax implications? What do you think? Who should we use? And therefore, the accountant, if you've got a, you know done a good job before, uh, the, the accountant will, will feel very comfortable in recommending you. And once that happens, uh, you know, everyone's comfortable in in, um, in going forward. So uh, it's just being, to be frank, just being totally honest and upfront. And um, we've often t- turned around and sa- said to a buyer, uh, made an excuse not to sell a particular business to that buyer because we just knew he was going to fail. And, and you know, we like to sleep well at night, and and the, the, that commission was not going to change our lives. Um, and uh, we'd, we'd really persuade the buyer that it's, it's not for you if we felt uh, it, it, that was appropriate. And you know that's just our philosophy, and and it's worked well for us. It's clearly worked very mm. well for you, Roy. And what a fabulous philosophy, absolutely. And clearly, you know, a, a, as we say, that's what's worked for you over the years. But you must have been in contact with these these buyers, um, you know, th- these owners who had bought 22 years ago and now coming to market, had you just maintained re- a relationship with them over all of these years or did they just not speak to you but just suddenly remembered about you 22 years later? We, a bit of both. We, we certainly try and keep up the relationships and the contact knowing that they're going to come back to market one day. 
but you know, sometimes time time gets away with you, uh, things change, and I would say it's you know uh, probably more than fifty percent of the of the sellers who come back to us remember what we did for them as a buyer, and and that it was a fair deal, and uh, trusted us at the time, and uh, what came back to us as the first port of call. So, which which is always a good feeling. Well, there's and there's the I, I guess the lesson as well. It's to treat both parties with respect, um, you know, and and um, true concern about whether they're purchasing, whether the seller's selling to someone, whether the buyer's purchasing something that they're capable of maintaining and growing into the future. So, um, absolutely, another example sticks in my mind. Uh, many years ago, uh, uh, someone wanted to sell his business. It was a smallish business. A buyer walked into my house, uh, into our office one day and said, I'm looking for a business. It gave me his parameters, gave me a, a price guide. And I said to him, I'm working on a business at the moment, but I'll get back to you. Uh, I then called him back into the office the following week. I showed him this business, which, which I just listed, hadn't even started marketing yet. And I said to him, look, it's a very solid business, meets all the parameters except the price. This is a, it's a higher price than you gave me. We know that that's often the case. Buyer will sort of underquote you what they're prepared to pay. Um, and he looked at this and, he, and I, I, I showed him the information memorandum and he, he looked at it and he said, this ticks all the boxes. He said, oh, I need to ask you a question. I've just left, uh, I've cancelled the deal from another broker. Uh, I put in an offer, paid a deposit, spent a due diligence. And what, what I found in the due diligence compared to what I was told was chalk and cheese. And it cost me a lot of money, and I'm very, very uh, uh, distrustful now at the moment, of, you know, uh, generally. And I said to him, "What? let me show you this. And I went back to my office and I brought out the file. And I said, here is the profits according, uh, in, terms, uh, in terms of the information memorandum. I opened my file, I pulled out the tax return, and I said, there's the profit figure on the tax return. It's one and the same with one or two adjustments. There's the lease summary. Here's the actual lease. There's the wages summary, and it was all in the file. And once he saw the evidence that the that he could rely on the information on the IM, he sort of said, "Thank you very much. I'll go and discuss it with my wife and and, and his kid because he wanted to bring his kid in with him." And uh, six weeks later, we did the deal, and and we didn't even have to advertise that business. He bought it at the price that we asked for. It was a fair price. He knew he could rely on the figures. And it was a fantastic deal. The vendor stayed with him for six months just because the vendor was such a wonderful person as well. Uh, and uh, you know, another nice story. And it gives you a good feeling when, when that happens. Does I love stories like that. He still owns the business today. Oh, I love it. Yeah. I yeah. love it. I love it. I love it. Afterwards, you have to tell me the business. But, yes, uh, <laughs> I will. Oh, look, I just love these stories, Roy. I love the love this area. I love seeing good deals get done. Yeah. Um, and, and I just love this philosophy that um, you clearly have, which is about making sure that you're doing the right deals because the right deals lead to such great future outcomes for both the seller at the time and obviously the buyer. By, and evidence by the mere fact that they keep coming back to you. So huge kudos to you, Roy, um, and a massive thank you for coming onto the program. How do our listeners make contact with you if they would like to find out more about how you might be able to assist them in the sale of the business 
or perhaps in the acquisition of a business? Uh, the easiest way is just to get onto our website, www.corebb, that's C-O-R-E-B-B.com.au, or send us, uh, you'll find all the communication numbers, emails address, or sales at corebb.com.au. Uh, if you want to just give us a call directly first, uh, all the numbers are on the website. And uh, we we have a motto, we will always get back to someone within 24 hours, irrespective. Even if we say we cannot talk to you today, but we will be in contact tomorrow, That's you will hear from us on the same day. What a great service promise. I love it. I love it. Roy, thank you so much for coming on to the Deal Room podcast. Pleasure. Thank you for having me. Well, that's it for this episode of the Deal Room podcast with Roy Levy from Core Business Brokers, all about how creative solutions can help tremendously in the sale and acquisition of a business. Now, if you'd like more information about this topic, then check out our show notes, which will take you straight through to this episode page at our website, www thedealroompodcast.com, where you'll be able to download a transcript of this podcast episode if you'd like to read it in more detail. And of course, we also there link straight through to Roy Levy and Core Business Brokers if you would like their assistance for the sale of a business or perhaps in the acquisition of a business. There in the show notes, you'll also find details of how to contact our legal eagles at Aspect Legal about anything related to this topic or head over to our website at www.aspectlegal.com.au to book a free 15-minute discussion with our legal team. Well, that's it. I hope you enjoyed what you heard today. If you did, don't forget to subscribe to the The Deal Room podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast player to get notifications straight through to your phone whenever a new episode is out. Thanks again for listening in. This has been Joanna Oki and The Deal Room podcast, a podcast proudly brought to you by our commercial legal practice, Aspect Legal. See you next time. Aspect Legal has a number of great services that help businesses prepare for a sale or acquisition to help them prepare in advance and to get transaction ready. We've also got a range of services to help guide businesses through the sale and acquisitions process. We work with clients both big and small and have different types of services depending on size and complexity. We provide a free consultation to discuss your proposed sale or acquisition. So see our show notes on how to book a time to speak with us or head over to our website at aspectlegal.com.au. Ladies and gentlemen, that will conclude this evening's entertainment. Thanks for listening to the Deal Room Podcast. To find out more about this episode and other episodes in the series, check out the show notes or head over to our website at thedealroompodcast.com.au. Thank you.